From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Inheritance taxes are a feature of most advanced economies, including the US and the UK. But in Australia, they haven't been levied for 40 years, and their abolition has contributed to growing inequality in the country. Today, James Boyce on why now is the right time to restart the conversation on death taxes. James, Australia used to have a death tax, so what happened to it? All the Australian colonies at the time of Federation had a form of inheritance tax or estate tax copied from Britain. So they were just sort of a fact of life. The idea that the the wealthy, when they passed away, there'd be a tax levied by the state on their estate. That was accepted as a normal part of life right through the 19th century and the 20th century. James Boyce wrote about death taxes for the Saturday paper. And the Queensland Premier, who most people will still remember or at least have heard of, Sir Joe Bielke-Peterson, who had a rare talent for combining cronyism and populism. I think Queensland today is the best state in which to live in which people come to us uh, by the hundreds every week. And uh, doubling our population uh, is against the way way the states increase in the other parts of uh, Australia. Uh, Their rate of increase is only half that of ours. No compromise. You can't have any tax of any sort. Any new tax, less taxes, lower taxes. And it can be done with him. Sir Joe Bielke Peterson announced that he was going to get rid of them and just abolish them without any review or process. We've got no death duties, gift duties, wealth tax, and uh, we've got no beer tax, cigarette tax, no petrol tax, no FID, that's financial institution duty. All these taxes that all the other states have got, we haven't got them. We are in our payroll. He talked about encouraging wealthy retired people. Other states would come up to Queensland and bring their money and their wealth. And there was a lot of that sort of nonsense, really. We've got the edge over them in every way, and uh, there's no argument about that. Our taxes are by far the lowest. Uh, we haven't gotten many of the taxes they have. We've got no death. He was a good politician. He, he could sense the mood, and he uh, took a populist decision, which was obviously very liked amongst his base. Give them security, and you know, the, the people know they've got a government that is strong and positive and so on, against unions, and then they do things, they achieve things, and that's all we did in Queensland. We made it easy for them to live, we gave them security. And able to take a bit of a swipe at the southern states along the way. And so we've got a great place in which to live, and we've got nothing to fear, and this is why we are growing, and we are the state that people seek after. And it did make it in the federation system, to be fair to the other premiers, if you've got one state without it, it is difficult for other states to keep it because people can avoid the tax in one state by by shifting their um, assets into another. So between 1978 and 1984, all the states abolished them. They were citing nervousness that their elderly people would pack up and move, move to Queensland if they didn't follow suit. So was that the, was that the fear of, of the other states, that they would lose residents to Queensland because Queensland didn't have a death tax? Exactly. That was the reason they gave, you know, once the guy led the way, it was just very difficult to contain anymore. But certainly one of the reasons that was widely given at the time 
was that people will be packing up and moving to the Gold Coast. So, you know, we better abolish them as well. And it become deeply unpopular because it was easy for opponents of the tax. You can imagine, you know, people, the images of grieving widows trying to deal with this callous state taxation. There they were trying to arrange the funeral and they were also having to deal with the tax office. The sad thing was in retrospect and a terribly costly decision for the nation. And Australia entered the 1980s on its current trajectory of getting ever more concentrated in a few hands without any form of inheritance or death tax. And one of the few developed countries in the world did not have that. And that's been the situation ever since. Yeah. So how much money has been lost in tax revenue since death taxes were abolished? They were still even then generating roughly around 10% of state taxation revenue in the 70s. So in today's terms, you know, that would be over $5 billion a year. It's clear that Australian governments have lost well over $100 billion, um, you know, probably double that or more. Mm. And so how have states made up for that lost revenue? From the very same time as this was occurring, all the states following each other in liberalising their gambling laws, except the WA, and particularly allowing poker machines, not just ordinary poker machines, but high-intensity, highly addictive poker machines that in all other countries of the world were confined to casinos if they were allowed at all. Australia started introducing them into the pubs and clubs to have the most liberal gambling laws in the world. And very soon, Australia became the biggest per capita gamblers in the world, largely driven by this proliferation of poker machines, which were so attractive to the state government because of the revenue they provided. So they spread out from New South Wales to all the other eastern states and territories through the 1980s, Tasmania being the last one to join the party uh, in legislation in 1993. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that at the same time that state governments were losing revenue in, in death taxes. They relaxed gambling laws, which essentially means that they're they're now making a similar amount of revenue from people addicted to pokies rather than from deceased estates. Exactly. Poker machines are, are perceived or presented by the industry as the solution to these revenue problems of the states. The only problem being, of course, that the poker machine taxes are largely paid for by the living poor rather than the wealthy. Also, there are massive associated harms and other costs to state governments from this explosion in in gambling expenditure in Australia. There's a massive impact on mental health, homelessness, domestic violence. I mean, really, the uh, emergency relief services, homelessness services, you can go on and on and on in terms of the costs of gambling harm. We'll be back in a moment. As a a. 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, 
summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. James, we're talking about death taxes and the fact that Australia is almost alone now in the world in not having, having one. So what is the economic argument for a death tax? Basically, um, the idea is that this is a windfall game. When the wealthy pass on their estates to their children, uh, who are usually already very wealthy, when they pass on the estate intact millions and millions of dollars, uh, tens of millions of dollars, of course, that bears no relation to economic effort. It's simply a windfall game. It bears no relation to productivity. It's not related to investment or consumption or retirement income. So if you tax it, you're not actually impacting on productivity, you're not impacting on investment choices, you're not impacting on consumption, which of course is critical at the moment as we try and recover from COVID, not even impacting on retirement incomes, which as we know was such a big issue with some of the Labor Party's policy proposals at the last election. And not only are you not doing economic harm in that way, you're also reducing inequality. And Australia's got a massive problem with wealth inequality. Young Australians are on track to be the first generation with less wealth, less stake in the country than their parents had. So again, to address that, we need to be looking at ways of taxing wealth, not just incomes. It it makes a lot of sense on economic and social grounds. Mm. Would an inheritance tax discourage people from from working hard and and building wealth in their lifetimes if they know that a proportion of of what they've made would be taken when they die? Well, the sort of thresholds we're talking about, but we're talking about the hypothetical of a threshold of $4 million would only impact on about 3% of Australians but still generate very, very significant revenues because of the level of wealth concentration. The wealth concentration is now so high in Australia, so much wealth is owned by that top 1, 2, 3%. But in Australia, because of the levels of tax concessions that we have on, on, on wealth, most of this income that we're talking about has never been subject to any form of taxation. So it's not a case of double dipping or double taxation. It's case of the, this, this wealth that's been accumulated being taxed for the very first time. Mm. At, the, at the last federal election, we saw death taxes make a comeback as part of the coalition's campaign against Labor, even though the Labor Party wasn't actually proposing one. So why do you think that was? It was playing into really, I think, a sort of emotional fears around whole process of dying and the idea of paying a tax when you're dead. He's the only one talking about a death tax. A death tax? Death taxes. Death tax. There is a plan for a death tax. Secret plan for a death tax. Death tax. Death tax. Death taxes. Labor. It's the bill Australia can't afford. Authorised by Ahurst, Liberal Party of Australia, Canberra. You can play into, into fear, as you can imagine. I mean, Labor had no policy, so it was just this idea of a death tax that was being, that was being spread. And if you haven't heard the news, Bill Shorten, supported by the Greens, wants to reintroduce death duties or death taxes. Well, let's see what the people have to say about that. So it's this sort of, there's a memory that these taxes were sort of deeply unpopular and and aroused all these irrational fears. 
Well, I don't think that's right for them to do because that's our money for our kids and their generation, not for the government to take. Don't think we should pay taxes for dying. And this is sort of perpetuated and becomes so deeply entrenched in the culture that we can't even have a sensible conversation about them. Part of the reason I wrote the article for the Saturday paper was that I just think there's an opportunity now in the current environment. Let's have a conversation about it. Death is a reality. Taxation is a reality. It's working out how we're going to fund a compassionate society. I think Australians are are more up for this conversation than uh, the politicians might realise and, um, you know, it's up to us and I think especially older Australians to show that, you know, we're ready to to have a conversation and we're not frightened. Do you think realistically, though, that, that a death tax can achieve any political traction, especially given the way that it was it was used in the last election? Who would go near it at this point? Well, I, I think before COVID it, it would have been a long haul. Mm. But, I mean, COVID has changed changed everything. We're not only dealing, of course, with this massive debt now, and Australians are still carrying high levels of personal debt, and now we've got these high levels of government debt. But we're also very aware as a community now about the failings in the in the inadequacies and the need to put on increase the funding to our health and aged care system in particular. I think what's politically realistic very different from what it was before. And it's partly the recognition of the practical problem. We're going to have to get new sources of funding. You know, we can't just afford to hit normal wage and salary earners and younger and younger workers. But it's also, I think, a notion of a fairer society. I think it's what we, a sense that's come out of COVID, you know, to use that terrible cliche, we're all in it together. You know, we, we're not just in COVID together, we're in we're in life together. These things are a part of, of living in a in a community or a society which people experience as fair. Not as equal, but as fair. And I think that's what's been lost in Australia. James, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Syl. Thanks for having me on. Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays, but her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloane about Grief is for People. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, two Australian journalists working in China have been rushed home after police demanded interviews with them, leading to fears that they may be detained. Bill Bertels, the ABC's correspondent based in Beijing, and Mike Smith, the Australian Financial Review's correspondent based in Shanghai, flew to Sydney after taking refuge in Australian consulates for a number of days. Last week, the Chinese government publicly confirmed the arrest of an Australian journalist working for China's state media. And the inquiry into Victoria's hotel quarantine program has heard that the state government didn't adequately meet the needs of returned travellers while they were in vulnerable positions. Victoria Police also gave evidence that hotel guests were being allowed to leave the premises. Officers reported those who were supposed to be in quarantine were returning to the hotels carrying takeaway coffee cups. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.